on with it. Hey y'all, this is Chigger Tiki. Welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Okay, I was barely more than three years old when my grandfather would walk me down to a corner that overlooked a busy avenue. There we would sit on concrete steps and watch cars whizzing by in both directions. My grandfather would ask me to choose Ford or Chevy. I would make my choice, then he'd take the other one. We'd sit there for several minutes and count how many Fords and how many Chevys passed by. Whichever of us got the most was declared the winner. The next time we walked down to the corner, Granddaddy might make the choice between Buicks and Chryslers. I was always eager to go and play the game with him. Looking back, I appreciate the old man's cleverness. I suppose, most importantly, he was teaching me how to count. But he was also teaching me to distinguish among types of cars. He loved cars. He was more than fascinated by them. He regarded them as a modern marvel. Grenady had been born in 1899, horse and buggy days. He was in his late teens before he ever laid eyes on an automobile. As a young fellow, he looked on gobsmacked as Model T Fords made distances everywhere shrink. When he was a little boy, the trip from his rural town to the nearest big city The big city literally took all day. He told me that when he was about 17, a gentleman drove him and his friends to the city in a tin Lizzie. It took them two hours, and that was probably the greatest thrill of Granddaddy's life. In my toddler years, he drove a 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air with those stylish tail fins. It was cobalt blue. He called it the Blue Goose. Actually, he called her the Blue Goose because cars were always feminine. Sometimes he would take me riding around for the sake of riding around in the Blue Goose. I wonder if I was as thrilled as he had been on his first car ride. Probably not quite, because cars were different to Granddaddy than they were to me. They were different to him than they were even to my father's generation. As I got a little older, I began to notice the difference between how my grandfather approached the automobile and how my father did. When Granddaddy got into the car, I could see that he would carefully, respectfully take charge of this piece of machinery. After getting himself behind the wheel, he would pause a moment, then flip his car key out of a little leather key wallet he carried in his pocket, and then very carefully and rather slowly he would insert the key into the ignition. Then he'd pause again, check the gear shift to make sure everything was correct. He'd put his right hand up on the rearview mirror to make sure it was aligned right, even though nobody had driven the car since he was last in it. Finally, after running through what seemed a long checklist, he would start the car, duck his head a moment as he looked for the emergency brake release, which he unlatched, and then, very carefully, he'd pull onto the road. This contrasted sharply 
with my father's approach to his car. Dad would already have his key out as he glided into the seat behind the wheel, and in one fluid moment, the key would slip into the ignition like hot knife into butter. Simultaneously, he had unlatched the emergency brake. The car would vroom to life, and off we'd go. Although in my childhood years I couldn't have put it in these words, I see now my father was at one with the automobile. Almost instantly, the car became an extension of himself, of his own body. By contrast, for my grandfather, the car was a wholly other thing, a a big, powerful machine, a marvelous machine to be sure, but one that was always in some measure foreign to him and needed to be carefully respected. This contrast came again to my mind decades later As I watched my grandson, who was about three years old, pull himself up into a desk chair and boot up the family computer. Though a toddler, his movements were smooth, fluid, done by second nature. With the computer mouse, he was clicking through files, zooming his way toward a video game program, which he opened and navigated like a champ. As I watched him do this, it occurred to me that he was to computer technology as my father was to automobiles, completely at one with the machine. And I, on the other hand, was like my grandfather, awestruck, marveling, but doddering around trying to run this, this computer machine. It had taken me forever to learn to get a computer mouse to work right. And here was this three-year-old in total mastery of the thing, The distinction is obvious, isn't it? For some of us, new technology erupts into our lives and changes everything. We who watched it come blasting into the world sort of stand at a divide. We look back and we see life, a life we knew, without this technology. We look forward and we see the change it has brought. But this which erupted into our lives has always been there, been in the lives of the younger folks. They have no experience of a world without it. Some people have suggested that we who can remember life before an amazing and life-changing technology are like immigrants to a new land. We speak an old language born of old things. Our children, on the other hand, are natives of this new world. My father, who grew up with a family car, might have said, it's just a car, what's the big deal? While his father would more likely say, it's an astounding machine that has made the world smaller. Consider my eighth grade students today, 13 and 14 year olds. The iPhone was already on the market and selling like hotcakes when they were born. Nearly all of my students have an iPhone. And as the car was for my father, as the computer was for my grandson, the iPhone is for my students, an extension of themselves. And they really can't imagine a life without it. They can't imagine life without FaceTiming friends, without TikTok, Snapchat, without being able to watch YouTube or Netflix at any time of any day on a device that fits into the pocket. But I tell them, I say, 
You kids just wait. The time is coming when you will be the immigrants, when you will be surrounded by younger folks who are looking at you like you've got a third eye because you're asking dumb questions about a new gadget that your kids know inside and out. And then you will be the stumbling, bumbling old fart trying to get it right. Just wait, kids. Your time is coming. And when it comes, you may gross a soft spot in your heart for poor old Chigger Ticky, who had to ask you to help him set up his new iPhone and then had to ask you again about 30 minutes later when he messed it up. You just wait. You'll find out what it's like. Hey, you've just listened to the 20th episode of the Chigger Ticky podcast. On the first episode... I confessed I had no idea what I was doing. And now on the 20th episode, as I'm sure you've noticed, I still have no idea what I'm doing. But you've been kind to stick around, and I really appreciate it. I'm going to call these first 20 episodes the first season of the Chigger Ticky podcast. And like the old TV shows of my youth, I'm going to take a few weeks off between seasons. After all, I've got papers to grade fish to fry, and a new iPhone to figure out. So I'm going to take a little break. But I'll be back with the second season of the Chigger Ticky Podcast, and I hope you'll come on back and join me. In the meantime, be kind to one another, be excellent to one another, and as always, come on, come on with it. With it.